and I want people to invite them to the table. Women just think differently, and I believe we need that injection in production agriculture. Welcome to The Found Podcast with Molly Knuth, a podcast for women who are founding and getting found with their businesses online. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and my mission is to help women rewrite how we live and work on our own terms. We want to grow families, impact others for the better, and be a positive force in our communities. But we also want to have a fulfilling life, you know? In the past six years, I've gone from being a stay-at-home mom to a freelance social media marketer to a hashtag boss babe, managing client needs, talented team members, and my husband and four kiddos on our little farm here in Eastern Iowa. And what I've learned in that time is that it's not just about going full force or any one-size-fits-all strategy for a business owner. It takes you leaning into your unique gifts, intuition, and goals, and learning who you are as a person along the way to founding this business. So come along for lessons and stories from female founders growing and scaling their businesses through energetics, tried and true tactics, and high vibe personal growth. Be ready to get found. Hey there, listener. You are in for a treat in today's episode. Today, I sit down with guest Caroline Rose Bohannon, and I think you'll hear it in the interview, but there were a couple times I got tongue-tied and kind of lost my train of thought because I was so caught up in learning from her. She is just so creative. She has amazing ideas. Her business mind was flooring me throughout today's conversation, and I am just so inspired and awed by what she shared today. So if you're unfamiliar with Caroline, Caroline is a multi-passionate entrepreneur and rancher in Montana. Caroline is on a mission to show ranchers, specifically ranch women, how valuable their creative side is to the ranch. And as you'll hear in Caroline's own story today, she has multiple businesses that she is operating. And whether it's for her marketing agency or through her work at Cattleman U, or the rancher's daughter. Really, everything she does is grounded in this concept of building businesses, towns, and operations that continue for generations to come. She's passionate about providing space and resources for cattle women, producers, and people in that ag sector to strive for and achieve personal and professional growth. And You guys, like literally, I think you need to have a notebook and a pen and a paper nearby because we dig into marketing strategies as they tie into her work at K Rose Company. We talk about her real love of education and how that serves those ranch operations that we can translate if you're more in the Midwest area to farms, farm families. And I just... I was awestruck by her ability to take these little God winks, as she calls them, run them through her filters that exist in her teams at her companies, and bring them to fruition to the benefit of us all. I cannot tell you how pleased I am to introduce you this week to my new friend, Caroline Rose Bohannon. Caroline, thank you so much for being on the Found Podcast today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Caroline, I gave the audience a brief introduction to you, but I'm going to turn the mic over to you for a little bit so we can hear in your own words 
why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you are on a mission to do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. I'm Caroline Rose, and I live in Montana. I grew up in an agriculture income family, and that's what I always say because my dad really dabbled around. So he started out as an outfitter, and then he became a cattle buyer, and he always, you know, we always had some grass leased. We always had cattle here or horses. I mean, he really is kind of self-made in Montana and really started from nothing. And so I knew I always wanted to be in agriculture. And I actually, when I graduated from high school, I went to Kansas State University. And part of what makes my story really unique is in high school, I ended up having about 20 strokes from a blood clotting disorder. And so I went, I left Montana to go to Kansas and it was too fresh pretty much. Um, living on my own and dealing with all my, you know, new meds and everything like that. So mm-hmm. I lasted a semester and then my dad actually bought a new place and said, if you'd like an opportunity to be a part of this, why don't you come home and go to Montana State University? And I said, okay. And so I graduated with an animal science degree and I decided that I wanted to buy cattle for a living. And I remember I was applying for jobs, just like every college student, and I got a job offer And I called my dad crying and I will never forget. I was pulled over on the side of the road and I said, dad, I can't take it. And he was like, what do you mean? You can't take the job. I mean, it was a great job. Like, I think I was going to be making six figures in sales and agriculture, insurance, everything like that. And I said, no, I can't do it. And I remember this moment that my dad said to himself, like, oh, no, (laughs) what, who have I raised? And and I said, no, 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 I want to work. I just don't want to work for someone. And my dad said, you might not have a choice. Like, there's no freeloading around here. I don't know what you're going to do. And I said, well, I'm going to I'm gonna make it on my own. And he said, okay, but you can buy cattle with me, but you can't do it under my company. So you have to start your own company. And so I said, okay. So I started K-Rose Cattle. As soon as I graduated, I announced it with my senior photos from college that I was starting this company. And the first summer... I really starved. I think my dad, we have a little background in law, and I think he was paying me to pick rock because <laughs> I wasn't doing anything else. <laughs> and I lived in this basement apartment and it was pretty rough. And I had a customer call me probably in about August and have some bread cattle for sale and ask me to list them on social media. And they sold within like seven minutes. And I remember calling my dad and saying, oh, this is it. Like I have found it now. And it really quickly transformed into not just buying feeder calves, but marketing bread cattle on social media. And then what happened after that is seed stock businesses would call and say, if you can market these commercial cattle well, you can market for us. And I said, of course I can. And it's funny because I have no marketing background. I have no design skills. Um, I just was having a conversation with a team, which a team member, and she said that someone wanted a foot moved in a bull. And I was like, yeah, don't you just like crop the foot, move it over and reposition it? And she's like, yeah, do you know how to do that? And I was like, no, I don't even know what program you use, but I'm <laughs> sure we can figure it out. And um, can do attitude. Yeah. So it really took off the seed stock marketing piece. And then these other small ag businesses were contacting me and wanting me to support them. And so pretty quickly, I um, built a team. And today we kind of have three different divisions. And our overall mission for everything we do is to ensure the next generation of farmers and ranchers. And we do that in a bunch of different ways. But 
we have K-Rose Company and it, it has two pieces. I still buy feeder calves and then we do ag marketing. We're a full service design agency. There's about nine team members and we do like websites, logos, production sales, consulting, anything that you would think an agency would, social media management, all of that. Then we have Cattleman U, which is our educational arm of K-Rose Company. And it's really focused at women. And it wasn't always focused at women, but it is today. We've really made a shift. I think part of the reason why we're losing family farms and ranches is because we've removed creativity, femininity, sensitivity out of production agriculture. And women need to be at the business table. And Mm -hmm. when I say that, it doesn't mean I don't want them to be mothers and wives But I feel like a lot of women feel that their spot is to be in the kitchen or taking care of the kids, and they're not invited to the table. And I want people to invite them to the table. Women just think differently, and I believe we need that injection in production agriculture. And so we're really passionate about education and empowering women to be involved in the business decisions, not just the top, you know, that fluffy stuff, like the deep stuff about how to make this operation work. And then kind of the third branch that we have is um, one of my friends and I own a farm to table retail store in Kalispell called The Rancher's Daughter. And we sell our family's beef, but then we work with consignment to have beef, lamb, chicken, pork, honey, eggs, produce, flour, all of that. And our goal there is we don't do the typical wholesale model because I believe that 15% makes a difference to the producer. And so I want to give them back the percentage that I think a middleman normally takes because I do think that's going to be part of the reason whether operations can continue or not. So long-winded story, that's where we're at today, is kind of running these three different segments that all are encouraging the next generation of farmers and ranchers. I, as, as we opened the zoom call today, I was like, I am just blown away by the boss that you are like looking at the different, like the diversified revenue streams, the mission that you are here to accomplish with yourself, your team and the work that you do. I just, I am blown away by the importance of it all and how you are helping people. Because as you said, the family farm, like for so many years, it was something that truly was a family operation, husband, wife, children, everybody contributed. And then over the course of like the 20th century, things changed. And we like just the structure of not only the farms themselves, but also getting those products to market really shifted. And I love your message about bringing femininity into the discussion again, making sure that it has a place at the table. And then your discussion about that wholesaler, uh, or I'm sorry, the discussion about how you are structuring that payment model on that arm of your business is so important too. And so we'll dig into each of these separately. Um, But what I just wanted to say, I'm like tickled that you're here because I'm like, I can't believe that I have an opportunity to sit across from you and ask you questions. This is such a great thing. (laughs) Thank you. Those are really kind words. And one thing that I tell people is it's been a lot of walking through mud. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in this story. But there is just so many opportunities in agriculture for women to be uniquely them. And I hope that listeners remember that. And what you said about femininity and coming to the table, all of that, like 
there's times in our family ranch where my dad and brother will look over at me and say, I never would think like that. I cannot believe you think like that. And yet it helps us. And so it looks easy. And when I probably talk about all these things, people are probably like, wow, but it does feel like walking through mud. So if you're walking through mud, you're at the right place. Mm, Yes, we will dig in because I do want to hear and we'll kind of tease this out as we go about the building of these various components. But I loved the part where you talked about, because I hear this in so many female entrepreneur stories too, where it's like, I had this opportunity. It's not like I sought out to become an expert in ag marketing, but it was an opportunity that presented itself and you leaned in and you said, yes. And I just, was there like a nudge or an intuition that you like really heard or really felt that beyond that first sale that happened in seven minutes on social media, was there something else that gave you that oomph, that uplift that was like, okay, here we go. Now we are on the right track and this thing is going to really, really go. Yeah. So I'm an aide on the Enneagram. So for all of you that know what that means is I'm a challenger and, um, I'm pretty fast paced. And so I sort of just decided that I wasn't going to work for anyone. And it's an interesting thing for me to say today because I write two company payroll checks, right? I signed two companies of payroll checks. And so it's not the fact that I didn't want to have a boss. It's the fact that I wanted to do it my own way and my own speed and be kind of ebb and flow. And that's the thing is I just sort of decided one day, like, I'm going to make this work. And I am still really hungry. And I know that that is part of the reason why I I get some God winks is what I call them, where I feel like I'm really in the right spot. And hindsight's always 2020. I can definitely look back and say, oh, this is what, you know, I was made to do. This is what I should have done. But I think it's just celebrating those little teeny wins and seeing each thing as motion, even if it's not always positive motion, it's still a movement, whether it's a step to the left or a step to the right, you're still moving. And as long as you're moving, you can go somewhere. And still today, I really struggle with having way too many ideas. I think if money was unlimited, I'd probably have 19 or 20 companies. I'm always finding businesses for sale in the paper and sending them to my new husband. And he's like, um, you want to own that? I'm like, well, maybe. I think it could probably pencil. And so I just, along the way, it was like, okay, here's a forward motion. Again, whether it was exactly forward or left or right. And I just use those as fuel to do things differently. Ah, oh, that's so good. And I think that drawing those lessons, whether it was something that's a quote unquote success or a quote unquote failure those lessons are something that comes through in all of your marketing and in your programs that I see too, that, that educational piece, because I agree with you that like making sure that we take these lessons from our business experiences, but not just keeping them to ourselves, letting other people know is going to be a huge step in making sure that educate, I'm sorry, agriculture, family farms, these go on to the next generation. So at what point were you like, okay, I'm going to really make sure that everything that I'm learning along the way, now I'm going to open up this educational opportunity. I'm going to share my process. I'm going to share my lessons and learnings through my own marketing too. At what point did that kind of start 
showing up in your business. Yeah, I distinctly remember that day. Um, I got an email from a competitor of mine. I don't know why I was on their email list. I think they've removed me now. But um, I got an email from them and I distinctly remember that it said, you should hit the boost post button on Facebook. Mm. And I, I had a small team at the time, probably all contractors, and I was flabbergasted. I was like, that is such bad advice. Why are they sending this out to people to do when we all know it's bad advice? Anyone in the marketing world knows it's terrible. And I just said, how discouraging. Like, why are we leading people astray to get more work? And and that was something integrity is really, really important to me. And that, like, I mean, I still remember that today. And that's when I said, no, no, no. These small businesses can't always afford to hire someone. But if they eventually are going to hire someone, I need them to trust me, which means I just need to tell them what's working and what's not working with no expectation that they're ever going to become a client. Just because if I believe in small business and I want rural America to thrive, because if we think of small towns in America and in Canada, it's about the same, right? If there's no daycare, if the school system's poor, if there's no place for the husband or wife to get a second job, if you can't buy milk, right? The chances that the next generation is going to come back to that town for that operation are becoming slimmer. And so it's part of the same mission, right? I said, these brick and mortar businesses on Main Street of these small towns are getting these emails with awful advice and they can't afford to hire someone to do their marketing. And so we're either going to get rid of rural America because we're teaching them poorly or someone's got to step up and teach them how to do it themselves and how to do it the right way. And realize that this is a much bigger mission. It's not just about getting a client. It's about making sure that that livelihood, that that generation can come back because there is something for them to tie into as a community. Oh, and I I have a similar experience in my journey too, where it's, there's this moment where it's like, it it's going to benefit all of us if, if we just share. And it's, sometimes contradictory to maybe how some of us were brought through the world of like, everybody is your competitor. Every business is going head to head to compete for this small pool of potential clients. But to your point, there is a time where you have to be like, I need to lead. If I want to see cool, this is my friend, Melissa Nelson's words, but if I want cool things to happen in my small town, I have to be part of making these cool things happen. And I hear that in your story. If I want to see small businesses thrive, I need, or small operations or people in small towns, rural America, then I need to be that leader who steps up and is part of being the solution. So tell me about the beginning stages of that. When you made that decision, how did you start bringing that educational component in? Was it showing it through your social media? Was it through your email list? Or how did that education piece really start to show up in what you were doing? Yeah. So I think the first thing that I did is I gave my team permission to fail and then share the story. Mm. I said, if we want to show them what works, we also have to show them what doesn't work. And so I said that 
you know, it's really important to make sure that we are showing both sides. We can't just show the good stuff. We got to show the bad stuff. And so we started sharing on social media. We also started with a blog. You know, this was five or six years ago, started with a blog in our email list and then doing a lot of in-person. I used to do in-person marketing events. They were free. They would just be at a coffee shop. 15, 20 people would show up. And I just pretty much answer their questions. Just a resource on how to better market, how to understand marketing better. Sometimes they'd bring their website and they'd have a technical issue. And so I did a lot of belling up marketing is what we called, where I just kind of showed up. And then I have just continued that. I do lots of teaching now, in-person teaching on social media marketing. And, and it, you know, a company will hire me to to teach a class in their town or something to that nature. But I just pretty much started talking about what was working and what wasn't. And I think the biggest thing is giving permission to fail and then share that story. And so we would run Facebook ads and we'd do beta tests where we'd run every single type of Facebook ad the exact same besides the type, and we'd compare all the results. And then we'd share that. And then we'd run a boost post versus a Facebook ad, and then we'd share that. And we just were doing all of these things and comparing them so that people knew. And it wasn't just me saying it. It was like, here's the proof in the pudding. And that's something I've continued with my business today is Like we just got wrapped up with a client's production sale. And I saw today that um, head of operations has a meeting with them and we have a whole stat stock. Exactly the proof in the pudding. Like I'm a big believer in that. Don't just tell me theories. Don't just jump on bandwagons. Like show me what actually worked with hard numbers. And I think that allows people to develop a level of trust that is a little different when you actually show them the numbers. And then you're like, you can interpret this however you want. Here's the hard data. That's so, so needed. And I think that coming into the, especially this marketing world at the time that you did, there is, there was like a a real flourish of people who were coming in. That's about the same time I came into the marketing and the social media side of things too. And at that time you were hearing all of these theories. There were all of these marketing experts and gurus and what I was seeing, and I'm guessing is something you were seeing too, is that in small towns, people do want to see, they want to see that proof in the pudding. They want to know, is this going to work for me as much as it's going to work for the big brand names out there? And it's not always going to be the same. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit different. And I love your approach of being like, hey, we will test it. We will be the guinea pigs and then we will share it back out to you. And through that process, Like you said, it allows you to gain trust. You become that person that people have as top of mind when they have that question that they aren't quite sure. And they feel approachable to you because you've proven that you have answers and you're willing to put your neck out there. And I love that from a leadership perspective within your team too, just making it known that this process of like trying, testing and measuring is something that not only are we okay with, but it's something that we really expect and want to carry forward in our own mission. So I love that we're talking about this as like, we want the firm numbers. We want the firm examples. We don't want just the soft, fluffy stuff. So are there other things you've learned throughout the process of building a business and not just like building a business, but like building a business in a rural area online where you've got like maybe some sketchy internet access. Like what are some other lessons that you've learned in the last 
several years of growing the business. I'm going to turn it over to you and let you. <laughs> yeah. So the, I think the one thing that I talk to a lot of business owners about is actually working. And I know that sounds terrible, but probably my first two years in business, I didn't really work. I didn't know what work was. I knew how to keep myself busy for eight hours a day, but I wasn't actually doing the hard work. And I think that that's one thing that's really easy to do, right? Is to say, oh yeah, I have to be on TikTok because I'm working. I have to be on Instagram because I'm working. I have to be checking my email because I'm working, but I'm actually never responding to an email on my phone, right? And so I think that is one of my biggest lessons is like do the hard, hard work. Um, and you got to actually know what moves the needle forward. And then the other thing that I talk about all the time in internally when we're launching things externally to customers is it takes on average 21 times for someone to see your stuff before they exchange money with you. And so most likely if they, if your sales are low, if your launch didn't go as planned, if you're frustrated because a t-shirt you designed is not selling, it's not because no one likes it. It's because not enough people know about it. And I'm a very visual learner and teacher. And I talk about billboards. How many of us drive by billboards every single day? How many times could we actually tell you what that billboard said? Hardly any, right? Mm -hmm. We can tell you visually kind of what it looks like, like it's blue or it's green. That's your branding. But how many times do we have to drive by a billboard until we call or stop or go to that restaurant or try that hotel or all of that? It's a lot. It is way more than 21 times on average. And I think most people get really discouraged is because there is this little sense of fear in them that, oh, people don't like my product. When nine times out of 10, it's not that people don't like a product. People don't even know you sell it. And that is one of the most surprising things to me that I still run into. So I had a client call me and then this is going to devalue my marketing talent when I tell you this story, but... <laughs> Um, so I had a marketing client call me or text me and she said, I'm looking for someone to run our social media. Do you know, who do you recommend? And I was like, well, we do that. We do that. <laughs> Obviously we are not talking about that enough. And so I'm eight years in and I still have people who are paying, like they have exchanged money with me and they still don't know about all our services. And so just because sales are slow, most likely means that not enough people know about it. And so I talk a lot about that. Where are you sharing it? How often are you sharing it? Are you sharing it from a kindergarten level or are you talking PhD style? And what does that look like? And the other thing that I talk to a lot of business owners about is the season for sales and the season to grow your impact. And there's very two different things. And we, as business owners, the moment we open our business, we're in sales mode. We are hungry, right? Like we are so, mm -hmm. so hungry. And so we go to the people we know or this network of people we have, and we just sell like crazy. And they love us and they probably buy the product, right? That's great. Always, right? And then we run out of people in that circle. And then we think it's our product. No, no, no. It's just that not enough people know you and you have to transition to increase your circle. And that is a different marketing than sales marketing. And I always talk about politicians, right? When someone's going to run for office, they show up everywhere. 
-hmm. They're in the parade. They're writing letters to the editor. Their face is on everything. They'll put a billboard up. Like, they don't want you to vote for them today. They want you to start to know the brand. And businesses, if they are running out of buyers, and the buyers might love the product, right? They might rave, have all these great testimonials, and people say, my sales are down. I'm like, you don't have enough people to sell to. We have to transition out of sales, and we just got to get more people to know who you are and what you sell. And a little bit about your brand, the who, what, when, where, why. And a lot of small businesses, they've never done that. Like they've never purposely said, how do I just get more people to know what my logo is and who we are? And if we think about Nike, right? Nike's done a great job of that. Everyone knows what the Nike logo is, whether we're a customer or not. And businesses need to increase that level of influence and they need to get a bigger buying pool, then they can go back to sales and then they need to go back to increase it a little bit more. And I think businesses don't do that well. And I think it can be really frustrating because they assume everyone knows about them. They're like, well, I've been in business 10 years. I'm like, no, no, no. There's new people here. There's, you know, people who don't watch TV, if that's where you're advertising or don't have Facebook, like not everyone knows you are. Mm -hmm. And you have to increase the number of people that you could possibly sell to and then you can go back to selling. Oh, I think that is a very important note that the sales marketing is different than that awareness and community and that kind of marketing. So right now in 2023, if you have a small town business, rural business that they're like, okay, I think I have been doing the sales marketing for a while now. I need to grow that pool of people who are aware of me. Is there any like one tip or trick that you are implementing right now in 2023 to help grow that more awareness factor for clients in small towns? Yeah. So I think one thing that we don't think a lot about is like getting involved in the community. Can you sponsor the Little Wolves, which is our little Mm -hmm. basketball team, right? Or can you sponsor the dinner at the football game? So they say your name on the announcement. Can you walk in the parade? Can you, you know, can you belly up? Can you show up at these events? Can you host a free event at the library? Can you start passing out, you know, it depends on who your customer is, but like in your community, can you start showing up more? And maybe that's a letter to the editor, right? Maybe that's volunteering with a big group, um, the food bank. If you're in the food world, volunteer with the food bank, right? And you can kind of see a little bit about what that looks like in your community. The other key players that are volunteering with the food bank. You can get your name and your brand out there. Like you just got to start showing up in a different way than you've ever shown up. And it's uncomfortable. But to me, the best marketing and the marketing that is the hardest is the belly up marketing, the in-person, I'm going to show up. We have so many people online. I love online. I love TikTok, all of that. But I think that when someone can shake your hand, when you can show up, when you can sponsor something, when you can... For example, the Lutheran Church school raffle, I don't have children. We're donating a quarter of beef for the rancher's daughter because our thought process was we can go to the event and we can belly up. And so we can be in person. And I think that's the best tip. And I don't think a lot of small businesses take the time to do that. I think that is so important. And it's something that I have thought for a long time too. Social media, when it came on the scene, and was starting to get used by small town businesses, like it did seem like that silver bullet that could help you gain awareness in a fast amount of time. But 
that was 2016, 2017-ish. That's a totally different ballgame than what we're looking at in 2023. And to your point, I do see that return too of, okay, now let's bring that circle back around and remember that there are a lot of really great traditional marketing methods available to us. And those stand out and people talk about it and word of mouth matters. And using social media then as a way to like pour gas on that word of mouth fire is how to use it. And I think your tips are just gold for the listeners today. Yeah, I think social media is great, obviously. You know, obviously, that's how we make our living. Mm -hmm. But I think that we expect one Facebook post to lead to a sellout. Like that's Mm -hmm. not happening. I mean, on TikTok, we see all these anomalies, right? Like those are the exceptions to the rule. I apologize to all of the listeners, but there's probably a chance for the rule, not the exception, unfortunately, which is great. I like being in the normal category. Um, <laughs> and so it's easy to think that social media is going to be it. It's like, oh, I can post at any time. I can get sales. I can have a link, all these things. But it's like this happy combination. And I often talk about marketing as being a puzzle and your puzzle pieces have to fit together. And when you look at it from a 50,000 foot view, is there any holes in your puzzle? Like, is there any disconnect where you're not getting the momentum you want or things like that? And I really think that in-person does matter. Mm. So Caroline, I want to ask you have, so at the beginning of your journey, you said you started seeing like this momentum for the marketing aspect of the business and you grew a team. And I want to ask like, on a personal level, as you're growing into this leader, this CEO who is leading other people to work with clients on behalf of your company, and you said you, you're you willing to put your neck out there, walk through some mud. Were there any lessons from that like CEO perspective, that team building perspective that you have learned along the way that you can share with listeners who are thinking of growth and how to really grow their company? Yeah, I've made a lot of mistakes in growing a team. And I think that- (laughs) Same here. It's all, I'm so, it's refreshing to hear people talk about that. So thank you. Yeah, I um, say that the team is my biggest blessing, but also my biggest heartache. Um, And it's the most challenging piece because no one will ever view the company as I do because it's my company and the name is Kate Rose and my name is Caroline Rose. So it's no one else feels quite as tied into it. A few things that I have learned in just growing a team. One, we adopted the EOS model, the entrepreneurial operating system. And that has been a complete game changer for our whole company, the way we do things, the productivity, the success, all of that. The other thing that has been really important is I verbally say to them, I have never been a CEO before. If this is not how you want to be treated, if this feels funny to you, if you don't like this, if this isn't good, if this, if you love it, I mean, all these things, right? I was like, you have to tell me I'm, I'm 30 now. So it feels a little different, but for a long time, I was 22. I'd have no idea. And I was like, mm-hmm. I've never had a boss like this. So I've been very open with the team of is, does this feel comfortable? Do these goals work? How do you relate, you know, how's this customer relation? And the other thing that we say almost every single week in the company is we have to control the controllables. When you're talking to a client, when you're working on a project, what are the controllables? And I often say you can't react, like you can't, 
expect them to react one way or the other. Like you can only control what you say. And anytime one of the leaders on my team has to have a difficult conversation with someone, I'm like, you can only control the truths. What are the truths? The position is not working. You're not getting done as much. You're being dishonest about your time. You cannot control the rest. You can't control how they react. You can't control how they feel. And same with clients. I'm like, go back to the truths. What are the truths? Say those over and over. That is something no one can argue with. And I tell my team that all the time is we got to control what we can control. And as a leader, I think that too. Um, The other thing that's a little bit probably more personable or personal when I hire a team is I do a lot of praying on the team, even before a position comes open. And I really try to find people who are hungry. I don't think you can teach hunger. Mm -hmm. I can teach everything else. But I want them to be hunger, hungry, and I want them to have integrity. If they'll do the right thing at every moment and they're hungry, they'll fit in just fine. I feel like I'm learning so much from you. I'm like, I need to take all the notes because I hear so much. I hear like to use your own vocabulary, like integrity and just making sure that the mission is there. You're keeping things in line with how you want your name and your business to show up in the world. And then just point blank, just saying, these are the mission and these are the conversations we're going to have to make sure everybody's on board and we're working in the same direction together. And I agree with you, leadership, especially as you're learning it in real time is tough stuff. And thank you for sharing the difficulties as well as the lessons with the listeners today. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really challenging and it's really rewarding, but it is also um, really challenging. And I have an incredible team now. Most of the team members have been with us for almost two years or longer. I think the longest team members at five years. So out of eight, five or six years, she was trying to count the other day. And I was like, I remember what baby you were on. So that <laughs> then you can work backwards. Yeah, but the thing too is, Just having people who support your customers and chase your dreams is really, really rewarding. And then also when you can come alongside them and help your work chase their dreams, that makes it really fun and really to get to know people and be passionate about people. And my team does an incredible job. And it's interesting to see the behaviors that they have because of the team. And so For example, um, head of operations, Grayson, she called me and said, a customer wants me to do something to their bull videos that I am not comfortable with. And she said, how should I approach it? And I said, that's a great question. Here's what you should do. You should contact them and say, there was multiple people involved. So it wasn't just, it was one person saying this. And I said, you got to get permission from everyone. And she said, yeah, because I would feel really funny if someone did that to our stuff without asking. I was Mm -hmm. like, of course. The thing you can do is ask and see what happens. If they say no, they say no. If they say yes, they say yes. Like we can't control that, but you got to ask and you got to phrase it in the right way. And it just was cool to see all of the things that I've been teaching about integrity and about having hard conversations with customers and approaching it the right way come through in a real situation. But I just, the moment she said, no, I would be very uncomfortable if someone did that to me. I was like, great, because that violates what we view as integrity. Is Mm -hmm. if someone did that without asking us, we would be, you know, that would not fly. 
And so it's fun to watch our core values and our missions be lived out inside the team. That's such a proud moment. I I feel like you must have been so proud of her for yeah, saying absolutely. that and standing up. Yes. And, and, and we, integrity is a big deal. I mean, I'm always like, what is the right thing? If you owned the company, I always say that. What do you think is the right thing? How would you like to be treated in this? And and I think, I mean, all of the people we have on the team right now, it's all girls. That's not on purpose, but it's just all women. And just making sure that we remind them about the core values and they feel comfortable about them. One, if you don't have core values, you, you need core values. Um, and just constantly going back to that. And oftentimes I say, I'm not sure how I'd handle that. How would you like to handle it? Because I don't know. <laughs> Oh, and that's such a good demonstration of leadership too, is saying, you know, I'm a person too. I don't have all of the answers. Let's try this together. Like that is an excellent example of leadership as well. So kudos to you on that. We're getting close on time already. I feel, I don't know how, but I did have one more question I wanted to ask before we start to wrap. So we're talking about a lot of marketing and business growth, but I want to hear at what point did you decide to start bringing in these other arms to the business? So going beyond the marketing and bringing in Cattleman U or the camp offer or the planner that I know you offer too. How did you decide, okay, it's time to diversify or there's this opportunity and we're going to run after it? Can you unpack that a little bit for us today too? Yeah. So Cattleman U originally came during covid and I was just trying to save my butt and it <laughs> turned into this really great thing. Um, you know, I am very creative. I have thousands of ideas. I have a document on my computer of ideas that is shared with the leadership team. And I would say nine out of 10 of my ideas, they say, you can't tell the team this right now. We can't, we can't take that on. And so one thing that we work really well is sales funnels. And so we're always thinking about, okay, what is the low point offer? What is a midpoint offer? What is a high point offer? What is an extra high point offer? And we have sales funnel meetings once a week, depending on the avenue. And so each company has about three to four sales funnels. Um, and then I'm launching my personal brand coming up in the next month or so. And so, you know, there's 15 different sales funnels and we're always talking about what's a low point offer. Do we have a low point offer? How can we serve our customers well? What is something they're needing? What is something we're passionate about? And that's really how we come up with these ideas is, you know, the planner, I felt as if there's not a lot of great planners out there. And it's not really a traditional planner. But the one thing that I found is at dinner, we always say, how was your day? It's like, it never gets mm -hmm. deep. So immediately I was like, I want to create a resource that people can ask really great questions. And then they can think about, you know, their role on the operation, what they want to change and all these things. And so I just, like, I just started diving into it. And then the planner, I mean, then it turned into a planner. And same with like ranch camp is I kept saying to my friends, like, we have to have a hands-on learning education. And I remember the first time I called my brother about ranch camp and I said, I'm going to um, ask your permission to do this thing called ranch camp. And I'm going to have 15 women come to the ranch and run cattle through the chute and vaccinate them. And immediately he said, you can't do that because mm -hmm. what if we hurt one? And then he paused and he said, oh, that's exactly why we're doing this is because if no one else does it, we have to be the ones willing to open the doors and to teach people. Because if, if everyone's brother or husband or dad or wife or mom or whoever is saying, we don't have time for you to learn. 
How are they ever going to learn? And so I have no shortness of creative ideas. The thing is, is I have a really great leadership team who says this is something we should pursue or we should not pursue this now. And I want to make sure that there are multiple streams of income just because of timing. Like I can't have the operations team designing 4,700 websites a month. Like they just can't physically do that. And so we have to have revenue from other sources. And so it's it just sort of happened, but I have too many ideas. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, I think it's, I, I love hearing creative people talk about their process because it's like, ah, oh, sometimes I am that person where it's like, I have an urge, I have to act on it right away. But when you bring it to your leadership team and they feel that they have been empowered in a way to say yes or let's pause and put that in the parking lot for a second. That's such a cool way to like filter your ideas and then also kind of test them out in real time and say, okay, would the, is this a great idea to me or is this something that other people are interested in too? And I love that camp because I, and this is going to be a sidebar that I, but there's, I'm married to a farmer and I was not a farm person when we got married. I was definitely a city girl and a pig got out and I had to help him get that pig back in. And it would run by me and he would get so frustrated. But I was like, this thing is going to bite me. And he's like, it's not. But anyway, so to empower women and like give them these hands-on learning opportunities, I love that that idea came to you. And it's something that you and your leadership team and your family all said, yes, this is that educational key component. It fits our core values. It's carrying forth education for the next generation. and it started with that little creative inkling and now it's become this method of empowering so many women. And thank you for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Yes. We're very excited for Ranch Camp and it does. It just kind of starts with a little creative idea. And I'll give you an example of an idea that they said um, no to or not right now is I wanted to host an in-person farm to table camp where we go and look at cattle on feed and we ultrasound them. And then we look at the carcasses and all the cuts. And then we do a couple days of marketing. And I thought it was a great idea. I still think it's a great idea. We'll probably do it. But they uh, nicely said, we're going to put that on the back burner for right now. I said, okay, great. I'll wait. But it's out there. So. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for your time today. I want you to be able to um, get all of our listeners who are inspired by your story, want to learn more. I want you to be able to connect with them. So can you share with us, where are the places that you encourage people to go if they want to learn more about any of the services that you offer? Yeah. So for Kettleman U, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, and we have the Kettleman U podcast. And of course, we have a website. Um, So that's all of that. I produce a podcast once a week, mostly women. Um, or people who are doing ranching differently. That's really important to me is thinking outside the box on that podcast. Um, for K-Rose Company, the design agency, we have Facebook and Instagram and a website. And then we have a pretty intensive cattle newsletter that goes out um, that has lots of really valuable industry information and things like that. And then, of course, the rancher's daughter, if you come to Glacier Park, you can um, come to the rancher's daughter and see what that's all about. And then we have uh, my personal brand, which is Caroline Rose Bohannon, and I have an Instagram and we have a Facebook page and then we have a website that's coming soon. And 
if I get approval by the leadership team, we will also have a podcast. So fingers crossed. Oh, you are so ambitious and I love it. Uh, thank you, Caroline. Can we have like two minutes? Can I run some like off the cuff, small talk questions past you just to learn a little bit more about Caroline? Absolutely. Okay. Question number one, what is a podcast or a TV show that you catch every single week that you make sure you don't miss and you want to tell everybody else about it? So I'm a terrible TV watcher. Uh, I could go probably for a year without turning it on. So, but podcasts, uh, there's a couple that I catch every single week. Of course, Crime Junkies. I love Crime Junkies. Anything that they produce, I listen to. Um, I really love Annie F. Downs' podcast mm. that she produces um, every week. I think there's two episodes a week. They're really good. And then, of course, a lot of other business ones that I kind of look at the topics and decide. But those are my favorites. Mm, I love that. All right, question two. When you are, and this might vary depending on where you find yourself working in a day, but when you're like, quote unquote, at work, whether that's at the desk, in the truck, on the ranch, what are two things that you always keep within arm's reach? Coffee and a notepad that I write a to-do list on. That's very intense. Mm, so you're a pen and paper kind of gal, not like a notes app kind of gal. Yes, correct. Pen and paper. Mm. Okay. Last question, because you're a pen and paper. Do you have a favorite brand of pen? I'm always intrigued to hear. Like, what a random question, but I always love to okay. hear this. I use a pencil only. I hate pens and it kicks my butt, but I buy these pencils from Walmart. It's the same kind. And I buy them in like a 50 pack and they are all over at the rancher's daughter, all in my vehicle, in my briefcase, at my desk. I mean, I just have these pencils everywhere. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Caroline. And we, in the show notes, we'll have links to all of Caroline's brands and businesses for listeners to follow up and learn more. Thank you for having me. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening in to The Found Podcast. If you loved what you heard in today's episode, please head over to The Found Podcast on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. It means so much to know how you think about these episodes where I pour out my heart or to know what strategies you found most effective from our guest experts. While you're there, you can also check out that library of 100 plus episodes of stories of female founders and successful strategies for getting found in your business. Thank you again for being here this week and I'll be back with even more in next week's episode.